0: Thank you. And welcome back to another installment of the Conspiracy Skeptic, Conspiracy Skeptic Unplugged. I'm your host and Conspiracy Skeptic, Carl Mamer, and uh, my guest today, a returning champion, uh, Brett 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 Spur from uh, what episode were you, Brett? Probably four, five, something around there, something in that ballpark. Yeah, if you remember, Brett, uh, he came on to talk about his favorite conspiracy, which was uh, Roswell, right? Correct. Right, and uh, you are also the uh, the Poobah of the uh, blog, the the Long Run blog. Poobah, yeah, that's a good that's a good term there. I like that.
1: poo Poobah, not not Cuba. Uh, is it Grand Poobah like gr-
0: Flintstone? Yeah. yeah, the Grand Poobah. If, Do if I you, get
1: a, did I get Did I get Get a furry hat to wear? I, I
0: would lo- I would love to get you a furry hat uh, right. if we all meet at Tam. Uh, uh, Tam eight <laughs> uh, r- r- rich has pr- rich has promised t- uh, to wear a, uh, a we him and I will wear a fez and ah. so maybe you could get a fez too, but like a special fez to signify you are the you 're the poo-ba or something the grand ba.
1: we would look very sophisticated
0: absolutely absolutely right so so right so you you do a blog called the 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 long run blog correct and it 's uh <laughs> Give me the uh, give me the the, the thirty second.
1: Ah, oh, well, it's our, our tagline is uh, critical thinking on money, finance, and economics, and we like to uh, really apply logic and some skeptical reasoning to a lot of the uh, things you come across in the skept- in the uh, financial world, uh, whether that be economics, TARP, um, Keynesian economics was a big debate we just did, um, or more personal financial issues. in uh, different types of life insurance, things like that, and we we like to tear them apart.
0: Yeah, uh, and and that's actually kind of why I'm having you back. Uh, You don't actually have another favorite conspiracy, uh, just because... um was it was a couple things. Uh, a, a few podcasts ago, I sort of mentioned a guy named David David Horowitz, who was a, sort of a big sort of uh, consumer advocate. He did a thing called called Fight Back. And uh, if you're kind of like a child of the '70s and '80s, he was on television a lot, or at least in a certain television market. And uh, and it, it was pretty cool. Like you know, when you're sort of young, here's this guy sort of you know exposing all of these sort of Consumer scams and, uh, and and as it turns out there's sort of another guy named David Horowitz who 's sort of just this very right wing kind of wonko guy and, and if you 're not really paying attention you don 't realize that these are two different human beings and, and so so I, I, I thought the David Horowitz consumer advocate had kind of you know he, there 's that movie critic medved uh, David Medved, or something like that who who was kind of you know sort of liberal i don 't know movie reviewer from you know the old p b s uh, show at the movies, and now he 's like this intelligent design right wing Creationist type guy, and and so I I sort of was like, oh no no no, don't tell me David Horowitz is sort of (laughs) that way too. But but as it turns out, no, they're different people, and and, and that got sort of me thinking that, um, you know, that that consumer, you know, that for a lot of people that maybe is an introduction to skepticism, and and a skepticism a lot of people apply as 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 consumers. You know, We, we. Many of us are very skeptical consumers and, and, a, and a sort of, you know, a, apply the, you know, sort of logic and reasoning to that domain. But you know, for some reason, we sometimes abandon it for other things. But, you know, but when it's sort of hitting hitting our – It's your wallet. Yeah, exactly. It's, it's, it, you really bring a lot of critical thinking to bear. And, and, and so it's just kind of weird that, um you know, that – that critical thinking we then abandon when people are making other claims about, you know, uh, you know, r- religion or, uh, you know, the paranormal or, or healthcare or stuff like that. And, and, and as well, um, you know we don 't sort of maybe extend that critical thinking then into to, to larger issues of sort of finance and money and, and that's you know that 's where you come in right you sort of
1: right' that 's what we try to do and and you 'd be amazed that even sometimes uh, people who are very thrifty with their money and really turn a skeptical eye towards things sometimes the sales pitch or the the, the lines that they use to sell you something um, hits soft spots in our Emotional, uh, they kind of pushing the emotional buttons there, and they learn how to sort of trick us into buying things that uh, normally we wouldn't if it were just in black and white numbers.
0: Right, yes. You know, okay.
1: Insurance insurance is a good example there, and we, we've talked about that a couple of times on the blog.
0: Yeah. Well, I mean, even like, uh, I mean, you know, sometimes you, you, know, sometimes you f- just feel sorry for somebody and you buy something. You know, I know I'm, there are a couple of times that that's happened to me where I just sort of felt like, oh man, I really wasted a lot of this person's time. I may as well buy something from them or i mean i've got absolutely my, uh, i've got my limit but you know
1: i don't know Carl, are you one of those guys buying the uh, the paper or the pencils that the homeless people are selling on the subway
0: no 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 i'm not one of those people oh, but okay. uh, yeah so uh i guess a little biographical data sorry right, so you're the grand puban of the long run blog and uh your your, your job is like your financial advisor correct Okay. And, uh, and you're from uh, you're from Denver, Denver, Colorado. Denver. So
1: when Rich was on a couple of weeks ago talking about the airport, uh, it fascinated me because I passed through that airport all the time. And um, One thing Rich didn't mention, and maybe he's aware of this, maybe not, and I haven't 100% confirmed this, but from okay. what I've seen, I saw, I saw in the Denver Post, that the sculptor who was commissioned to build that big scary statue of the horse out front that Rich talked about, when he was building the statue, uh, sculpting it, a piece of it actually fell off in his studio and killed him in the process, which uh, lots of folks have latched onto it and makes that horse even more uh, sort of creepy
0: wow yeah, so uh, are the, are the, are the ghost hunters out there with their little uh, you know with their little you know em detectors and infrared cameras
1: probably but if I, if I do catch wind of them. Uh, uh, coming out to film, I'm gonna I'm gonna get a really powerful laser uh, pointer
0: and hide in the bushes somewhere and really give him a hard time. Cool, yeah, yeah. R- R- Rich's episode got a lot of uh, very good feedback, and uh, it was, yeah, it was, it was it was it was quite fun. But uh, I, yeah, I, I, I actually really enjoyed our sort of back and forth and uh and i was sort of i was sort of hoping like i got get i gotta get uh i got get Brett back on because i kind of i kind of liked i kind of liked talking to you on on the podcast and and then something sort of popped up on the uh you know the pen and teller message board uh that sort of gave me an idea the um you know because i mean finances are you know money and stuff it's in the news quite a lot and and uh you know it'd be i just thought it'd be nice to sort of Check in with you from time to time, and sort of uh, w- when you know these things sort of pop up in, in the news, or sort of you know pop up in forums and stuff like that. You know, myths or you know odd claims. Just you know, check in with you and 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 you know get your take on uh, on things. Well, I'm happy to do that. Yeah, so I don't know. So hopefully this can be a sort of a semi regular feature if if you if you're if you're, if, uh, you're into it. I'm game. All right. So, so the thing, thing that sort of popped up on the uh, Penn and Teller message board. Pe- Penn and Teller did a uh, episode about about Walmart. What, they sort of uh, kind of went against the popular grain, and you know, and sort of did a show about you know Walmart. Overall, is probably good for America. You know, it saves Americans you know thousands of dollars a year, and uh, you know things like that. And and uh, on your blog we did a, we did a minimum wage debate uh on the long r- long run blog we did a debate about minimum wage and uh you know and, and sort of uh, i was i was the anti i took the anti minimum wage side and julio uh or as we'd say in canada julio he uh, <laughs> he, he 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 just luck of the draw he got the uh pro minimum wage side the bad luck of the draw yeah, so uh, I you know I destroyed them, but uh, but, <laughs> but in my my research about Walmart, I discovered just you know Walmart almost everywhere pays well well above you know the the state minimum wages, and um, and you know if you if you had two people working full time at Walmart, you know uh, that would put. That couple over the, uh, you know, over the, uh, the the poverty line. I mean, it's no one said working at Walmart is your road to owning a detached home with you know right. two car driveway. But you know, uh, you can get by. And um, so, um, so anyway, so so this guy sort of posted a uh, a message on the Penn and Teller message board about you know, okay, while Walmart is you know maybe good for this and this, uh, he he sort of made an interesting. Claim that I thought. Okay, so the uh, the, the fellow writes. Um, let's see. While many of the issues uh, Penn and Teller point to are valid criticisms of the Walmart detractors themselves, the biggest single issue that Penn and Teller overlook is that Walmart engages uh, in business practices which are harmful to the middle class of the USA. Uh, yes, that's true that sweatshops overseas may actually be beneficial, uh, and the low cost of labor is a short-term benefit for the consumer. Ultimately, Walmart is shipping U.S. dollars overseas, and those dollars do not return to the U.S. Yes. All right. So, so, so I thought that was an interesting claim that that that, that uh, you know that we are shipping dollars. Say, let's say China. Let's stick with China. Where that we're shipping China U.S. dollars, and uh, you know, then they're shipping us. You know, I don't know T-shirts and. Uh, you know, Tupperware, just about, just about everything, Tupperware, furniture, those sort of things, and 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 this is this is this is a terrible thing because those dollars never come back, hmm. and, and and so I thought to myself, okay, well, uh, you, you, what we're doing is we're sending slips of paper to China, theoretically, I mean, we're just we're just sending right. numbers right on a computer screen, but but theoretically, we're sending slips of paper to China, and then China is sending us. Stuff like you know furniture and and you know uh electronics and and things like this and 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 basically a dollar is a uh you know it, it it's a right to sort of come back and in- store value right yeah it, it gives you a right to sort of exchange it for goods and services you know uh to anybody you know, to you know to the u s a or you know anybody who would accept it for you know and give you goods and services so so if we sent all this money to china and and it never came back you know if i was giving you slips of paper and you were giving me you know televisions and you were never then coming back to me with those slips of paper and going you know, you know carl i i kind of want something real in return you know the, the, it seems to me that that the usa isn't the the, the loser in that arrangement uh, so so what's what's the you know what's sort of the, the chink in either his argument or, or, or my argument
1: well I, th- I think you've you've nailed it right there is is they're getting pieces of paper we're getting uh, goods uh, worth something and they have to decide what they're going to do with that paper. And, uh, to some extent, they're turning around and, um, buying some of the commodities that they need, like copper and coal and, uh, oil particularly, with those dollars and spreading it around the world. But to a large extent, they're, they're hoarding, um, an enormous pile of these dollars. Um, it's about a trillion dollars these days. And so far, they're just sitting on it. Okay, and,
0: and so is, 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 is that a bad thing?
1: No, I don't think so. Okay. We've gotten a lot of things for cheap, and they've got a pile of money that they're happy with to just leave, let's sit there. Um, and so it's a win-win. But <laughs> you know what they – and I'm, I'm being a little uh, facetious here. They're not sitting on a pile of money. They actually do buy something with that money. They turn around and they buy U.S. Treasury debt with okay. that money. And so they earn a little bit of interest on their dollars, um, but uh, and we get the dollars back because we've sold them another piece of paper in exchange for the dollar piece of papers. Um, but uh, so far, uh, it's uh, worked
0: out to both parties' advantage. Okay, right. So, so if you are, if you are, okay. So if I'm the United States and I think it, that, you know that China is always going to sit on this money, or twenty five percent of that money China is always going to sit on I mean ultimately what one could do is then just print up that twenty five percent and reinject it into your your local economy i mean is is that something the USA could do uh,
1: theoretically although you wouldn't want to do that as a nation because um, it will over time, as investors, as people around the world see that you're just printing paper, uh, they lose faith in your paper, and your paper becomes worth a whole lot less. Right.
0: But but that so, oh, go ahead. go ahead. Oh, I was say, but that's kind of that's kind of that, that sort of makes our argument that 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 if you really had the belief that this money was being shipped overseas and was never ever ever going to come back, then then nothing would actually stop you from. Printing up that money again and re injecting it into your, your economy, right? Because Absolutely. Yeah, because the, the Chinese government is never going to come back to you and go, you know what? Uh uh you know, we we would like to spend this money now. And uh and if they came back to the United States with like a trillion dollars and they found that there was already another trillion dollars floating around, you know, then then you know what cost, you know, a dollar would now probably cost two dollars, right?
1: Right. Right. right, exactly. They they run the risk um, of finding waking up one day and finding that that trillion dollars is worth or purchases a whole lot less of what they thought it would
0: purchase, and so that risk is on their shoulders. Yeah. Right, and so so if you are uh, if you, I mean, most of us. Are- um, hopefully most of us, but I, I, ideally, a lot of us are sitting on a lot of our own unspent slips of papers. It's, it's called a bank account, right? Right. right. But we just, we just don't throw that money under our bed, right? We, we actually – if we've got an excess of money, we, we try to lend it out to people. Either we do it ourselves or we let you know, uh, sort of banks do it, but we, we, we lend that money out and make, make, make interest, right? We put it to work some other way.
1: Right, or we, we buy um, companies, or re- real assets with it. And If you buy stocks or mutual funds that buy stocks, you are owning small pieces of uh, a very large business, and those businesses uh, over time should grow and, and compensate for any inflation that, that does come about.
0: Right. So, so when you when like say America has a trade deficit, uh, the, the trade deficit, they don't actually take into account the American dollars that are coming back into the economy, like people buying Microsoft or people buying, a, like you know, a, a block in Manhattan or you know, condos in Vancouver, th- that doesn't actually count as I- in terms of the trade deficit, right?
1: Correct. Yeah, that's the, the difference here, and and maybe some of the listeners are familiar with the difference between an income statement or what we call a and profit and loss statement. And a balance sheet, and uh, the way to sort of think about this is the, the balance sheet is a list of all the assets and liabilities you have, and it's a snapshot in time where the income statement is how much money you made in a certain period and how much you spent and what you have left over. And when we see a trade deficit, we are spending more than we're earning, so to speak, to make the analogy, but we still have assets. We still have things that we own. And what's happening is we're slowly selling off things that we own to pay for that extra spending that we're are uh, overspending, so to
0: speak. Right. So, uh, and, and things we own, you you mean like companies or uh, property? Sure.
1: Right? Yep. Property, um, uh, land, buildings, um,
0: companies, uh, intellectual property, um, those sorts of things. Okay. But but a lot of the, the, the things that you know. Um, like foreign countries might want to come back and so you know exercise that you know we got these slips of paper we want to sort of uh, you know demand a good or service in return for these slips of paper so you know they might come in and they might buy you know uh, property buildings and stuff like that and and you can actually you can't just pick up a block of Manhattan and move it to to you know to um, Shanghai right right um,
1: well not usually um, but. Uh, you know, this, this this sort of happened back in the 70s and 80s when the Japanese were um, the big scary Asian nation that everyone right. thought was going to take over, and uh, they were paying exorbitant prices for literally square blocks in Manhattan. They bought Rockefeller Center um, and a number, number of other marquee properties, which when their economy turned sour, they sold at enormous loss because they paid way really too much for it, right. uh, which is sort of a different story, but – uh, yeah what they'll do is they'll they'll take some of that money and turn around and start to buy things
0: right so so if you like so it 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 sucks if you are, let's say, uh, you know, you're working at General Motors. Uh, it kind of sucks that, you know, that you know, maybe you've lost your job. But if you, you know, if you own a, uh, you know, it's like if you own a one-bedroom condo in Va- Vancouver, and then uh, some Chinese factory owner wants to send his kid to, uh, you know, University of British Columbia and needs a condo for his kid, he will buy your condo so so now here's somebody giving you you know and and, and he might be happy to pay even more money because he 's got to get rid of these slips of paper right right it's
1: kind of like when you 've uh taken a vacation to oh let's say Mexico or some other country where the exchange rate is fifty to one or so right. Mexico's not that bad, but you go somewhere where where you 've got a pile of funny money and everything is uh seem seemingly cheap because of the exchange rate and you know that when they uh, sell you a diet coke at the at the bar or the pool and the price is uh you know 70 units of whatever the local currency is you know the locals are paying 40 for it but you really don't care because it's just so cheap anyway um and so the same effect comes when the japanese were buying rockefeller center they said hey we're gonna buy rockefeller center we don't really care what we pay for it um mm-hmm.
0: And they paid way too much for it, right. and so that sort of thing goes on right. and so 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 the people who sold them rockefeller center they they've got the money now right those those American dollars have come back, and those people are now doing things with it right you know they're buying you know buying cars and going to expensive restaurants and uh, taking vacations and stuff like that, right so they are they're you know redistributing that money around
1: yep. Oh, the um, so the dollars are indeed coming back. Um, they're just coming back not as an income or a trade, but as a capital transaction, and then being recirculated. So they don't really disappear in, into a hole over somewhere across the
0: the ocean. They, they do find their way back. Right. Yeah, what are the uh, things I sort of always hear about the uh, maybe not so much the conspiracy theorists, but maybe the uh, you know that you know the, the sky is falling type people is that you know you know China's they've got a trillion dollars and if they suddenly just you know sort of liquidated all that money uh you know tried to dump all that money like oh my god like that would just destroy the american economy and i, I thought to myself well yeah but that's sort of oh, that's a bit like saying um you know well you know if, if my neighbor burns down his house, you know, it's gonna it's gonna destroy my property value. But your neighbor's not gonna burn down his house because he doesn't want to burn down his house. He's got too much invested in his house, right? Right. So, 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 so it, it just strikes to me that China probably isn't gonna just tomorrow go. You know what? We we will I will trade you a trillion U.S. dollars for five euros. I don't care, right? Right. Not- you know, yeah, China is, um, they, they're
1: attached uh, very, I mean, the two economies are highly integrated. And when you, when you look at the numbers, China is heavily dependent on exports for something, uh, some ridiculously huge portion of their economy. They don't have... Um, a consumer economy within their economy that could sustain them yet they're highly dependent on exports and when you look at the numbers even though a lot of their exports go to other asian countries like japan or taiwan or or south korea the ultimate destination for those goods is almost always the us consumer and so if china suddenly said well you know what we're just not going we're we're going to crush the dollar and uh, you know basically end our our trade suddenly they'd find themselves in a giant hole. You'd be able to hear the sucking sound um, because their economy would utterly collapse. Um, And so what's in the best interest of China is for us to keep buying their stuff. And they go out of the way um, to keep us doing that. That's why they keep buying treasuries at less than 3.5% for 10 years. Uh, They keep buying those, what would normally be bad investments, to stabilize the dollar so that we can keep buying their stuff while their economy develops
0: right and, and um if somebody has a like a lot of money and and maybe they're not buying uh you know not, they're not buying property they're not buying Microsoft or something like that, but you know but they're going you know they're going to want to lend that money out and 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 they're going to want to lend it out at a sort of a cheaper interest rate than than the next guy right Mm-hmm. So, 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 so theoretically, China, with all those trillions of dollars, is is like you were saying they're buying uh, U.S. Treasuries at a very low interest rate, right? Which, they're, which, they're, go ahead. Which, which I guess that that finances America's America's debt. Yes. Okay. They they are actually buying the Treasuries because
1: one of the things, of course, Treasuries are. You only sell treasuries in exchange for dollars, right? So they've got a big hoard of dollars. We've got plenty of treasuries to sell them. And so they have to buy the treasuries, um, which instead of selling the dollars in the open market in exchange for other currencies, they're using them to buy an asset. And what that does is it keeps the dollar from declining. So it keeps – the dollar artificially stronger than it would be, which is exactly what China wants because they want us to continue to buy more and more from them. Um, And so it's a little bit of a currency manipulation, but it's exactly what you would want uh, the Chinese government to do if you have Chinese interests. Uh, It's what's good for China right
0: now. Right. Right. And, um, you know, like when I, uh, you know, when I was teaching in, in Korea, um, you know, people are always thinking, you know, in Korea, oh, these, you know, these English teachers they're coming there and they're making money. They're and they're they're taking Korean money out of the country, you know, and and that's money's never gonna come back. You know. Whereas in Canada we're like, we're we're buying their Hyundai's and that that, that Canadian money's never coming back to Canada. Whereas, you know, now the Koreans are thinking, Oh, those those dirty Canadian English teachers, they're taking that Korean money out. And I I have to laugh because, you know, when I left Korea, I left all of my Korean money in Korea, but i mean i, I wasn 't drunk. What I did is is <laughs> I, I, I gave it to you know a very pretty lady at, at, at a counter and then and I gave her all my Korean money, and then she gave me this Canadian money that they had you know in back of their bank oh, you, you, you could have told that story. An entirely different way. Maybe oh. different. <laughs> Sorry, yeah. I got to, it got to really slow. <laughs> but, uh, she was very slow. But uh, <laughs> that's the way they do banking in Korea. <laughs> uh, yeah. So 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 I didn't actually take any any uh, Korean money. Well, I mean a bit some you know stuff to show children. But um, but so and, and I I I don't know if the Korean bank really wants a lot of canadian money hanging around you know they-
1: no, and you know you, you actually it, it's funny you're sort of interchanging or, or at least they're in that concept they're interchanging some terms here you left korean money in korea but you did take the value of your services out of korea with you, or or a large percentage of it. what you didn't spend in Korea, the the savings, the net difference, you did take with you. You just took it
0: in Canadian money, right? right. Uh, so you did take some value out of the country, right? But I mean, I mean, theoretically, what I, I, I you know, I mean, it, it's all very uh, abstract, it, but but theoretically, what I did is I, I took my Korean money and then I sort of, I mean, with a bank as some sort of you know intermediary, I I, I, I gave it to somebody who who wanted. Who wanted Korean money, right? Mm-hmm. Who had Canadian dollars and said, you know, I, I'd like to buy things in Korea because, because uh, you know, it's like in, in China, right? Uh, you know, if you if you go to uh, you know Wu Mart and I, there probably really is a <laughs> Wu Mart in China, if you go to Wu Mart in China and you want to buy like you know a, a television in China, you you can't actually use American dollars. You have to, you you got to spend you know you got to spend what is it, yuan or something, won. yeah. So, um, so, so a lot of, you know, exchange is just about giving, you know, uh, giving your money to somebody else who actually wants to, you know, spend American dollars in America or wants to spend, you know, Korean won in Korea. Right. Yeah.
1: And that exchange, when you, when you do that, uh, you, you're technically selling, uh, one currency or buying one currency, look at it one way or the other, um but one party is selling a currency and one party is buying a currency. And if there are um, an awful lot of one currency for sale, so let's say under normal circumstances, China is selling us lots and lots of stuff, and we're giving them lots of dollars, and they don't want dollars, they want yuan, they're going to go to the exchange markets and they're going to say, I've got all these dollars for sale, give me yuan. And the, the brokers are, are going to say, well, There's an awful lot of demand. There's a lot of people that really want to sell dollars. I'm going to lower the price. I'm going to charge more for – it's going to take more dollars to buy the same number of yuan as yesterday. And so the dollar would decline in value relative to the yuan, and the the yuan would appreciate. And as that happens, and this happens every day across every currency that's traded internationally – some currencies will change value relative to others. And that movement will suddenly make imports and exports more or less expensive. And the system tends to balance itself out. But what China's been doing, instead of dumping those dollars on the market, is they've been buying treasuries to support the dollar so we can keep buying more stuff. (laughs) A little bit of manipulation, but it's really, truly what's in their best interest right now.
0: And the other thing, a lot of times people complain about is is, is the concept of of dumping, where, um, and I kind of noticed this in 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 Korea, where uh, Korean electronics made in Korea were more expensive than uh, the Korean electronics being sold in Canada and the United States, which 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 people might call dumping, where you're you're, you're you're selling it for uh, for less in another country than than you, maybe it costs you to actually make or what you would sell it in in, in your own market. Is, is that is that what dumping is?
1: Yeah, if you're selling it below cost somewhere else, it's and, and subsidizing it with profits elsewhere. That's usually considered
0: dumping. All right, so um, it, I mean, it's probably not technically dumping, but just it, it just freaks people out that you know that. Korean electronics are more expensive in Korea, and, and they might call that dumping, although it's maybe not quite technically dumping. But, 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 anyways, uh, so you know, so I, I began to sort of think about that, and a lot of people think, well, that's that's unfair to Canadians, but or Americans. But, but it strikes me, it's like, well, if uh, if you know, if we're getting something cheaper in North America than than, than what the poor Koreans have to pay for it, like who's actually being hurt? You know, are Canadians and Americans being hurt or, or are the Koreans who are being forced to you know to pay more to maybe subsidize uh you know subsidize this um this little racket? Like it seems to me that, that, that their own population's being hurt.
1: Right, to an extent. yeah. There is okay. um, there is a valid argument against dumping, and that's dumping being different than, uh, say, just free trade or cheap widgets coming out of China. Uh, dumping, again, is, it's sort of when – and the Korean example is a good one. I think it, it does fit that. Um, Korea's got high, high prices in their home market, so they're making money um, because there's no foreign competition and the prices are high. Right. And then they sell the products in the same products in the United States for cost or below. They're actually losing money. Well, why would they do that? They do it for a couple of reasons. The number one reason is to take market share with the ultimate goal of having less competition in this giant consumer market. And when that happens, you can raise the price. Now, Rockefeller did this in the early days of Standard Oil. Um, he would move into a new geographic location – and cut the price. He'd lose money on a barrel of oil, and he'd knock the local competitors out of business, move in with his economies of scale, and then when the competitors were gone, he'd raise the price and make even more of a margin than he would have if he just came in and tried to make money in the first place because now he had no competition. So from a long-term perspective, dumping can be detrimental in theory, Um, not to mention it's Kind of a nasty way to play the game, <laughs> uh, but and that that riles a lot of feathers. But um, in the short run,
0: yeah, we're getting products cheaper than they cost. What what could be bad about that? So so I mean so th- you were saying theoretically, but but let's say okay, let's say uh, you know Korea destroys Sony, you know, okay. uh, uh, and then Korea then can sort of you know jack up the prices on uh, Woo pods, okay, <laughs> and. Um, So, uh, so, uh, but, but then, I mean, but we're talking a whole globe, right? So, so, you know, India, India might go, geez, you know, there's a lot of, there's a lot of profit now to be made on Woopods, but, you know, so, um, uh, so, so India is now going to start turning out, uh, you know, their own versions of Woopods and, uh, and they're going to charge like. Less, you know, and, um, and so, you know, they, they will then sort of capture market share. So, so it, it just strikes me in this sort of a global market that you're, you're, you, you think you're going to try and destroy the competition with, with, with this dumping, but there's always going to be somebody next in line to go, oh, now that there's a lot of money to be made, you know, I'm going to undercut and I'm, I'm going to come into the market. So, so, you know, so, so, you know, how do you, how do you counter that tough guy?
1: <laughs> uh, well uh, yeah, that's, a, that's a good point and especially with something like electronics where uh, let's face it a lot of it is um, short product cycles so it's not like oil where it's a necessity and you can uh, once you're in there you're in there and you've got a competitive advantage uh, someone can come up with Wupod 2 and it's got a video camera and it's got a click wheel and it's even nicer and shinier than the last one so that can certainly happen but there is there is another argument to be made and there's, there's a concept known as uh, economic warfare, that's what we'll call it. Okay. And, and imagine for a moment, um, you, and, and it's, it's, it's a little towards the more extreme concept here, but, but imagine for a moment you've got a country um, with domination plans. They, they really want to take away their competitors. And so to the extent that they can, they systematically um, dump products. They start right. with cars. Uh, until the domestic car industry, let's just make up an example, not calling the Japanese uh, as the villains here, but let's just use the example. Let's say they subsidize their cars so that the U.S. auto industry just goes kaput. We, the United States can't be competitive against the dumped prices, and therefore the U.S. auto industry, it just, the United States' nation, loses its ability to make cars. Okay. Uh, because it's not competitive. And then, then they go on and they move on to another industry, like, say, maybe steel, or or they move on to um, another industry, such as maybe semiconductors or computers. And then they, instead of Dell coming up out of Texas, uh, you know, it comes up out of uh, Tokyo or Korea somewhere. And systematically, they dump products over the years and years. And they destroy the home industries of a particular nation. Theoretically, you could, um, you've could you weakened that nation's productive capacity. You right. have really hurt them uh, to the extent where, well, gee, they can't, build, uh, they can't build ships because they don't have a steel industry, and they can't build tanks because they don't have a, a vehicle industry, and they can't build the chips to run the GPS things because they don't have a chip. So they're entirely dependent on somebody else's technology. Right. Theoretically, that would be an argument against dumping.
0: Yeah, the uh, so my other maybe counter to that is uh, like agricultural industry. Like if you looked at uh, like the turn of the century, um, you know, like uh, uh, um, you know, say nineteen oh three, like about I don't know, it was like forty percent of. Uh, jobs were tied to agriculture and and today uh, it 's like two percent two percent of you know the workforce is involved in agriculture so so you know you 're one thousand nine hundred three you 're standing in a field and uh, and somebody you know who is very very prescient uh, sort of tells you uh, tells you see all those field hands a uh, hundred years from now uh, they they won 't those jobs will not exist. If, you know that the, that what employs forty percent of America a yeah, hundred years from now will only employ two percent of America, and and you're standing in that field and you're, you're going to think, well, what are these people going to do? You know, are they're going to be out of jobs? Oh my God, it's going to be a disaster. Only two percent of the population is going to be working in agriculture. It's a nightmare scenario. At that point in time, you cannot envision what. What you know, ninety-eight percent of the population is going to do, but but but, and it seems almost counterintuitive. But but clearly, if 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 only two percent of your population is needed to make a, a, an excess of food for your nation and for the world, that's a that's a good thing, right? Yeah, no, it certainly would be. I, the only
1: counter I would have to that is you're accelerating that process, okay. um, at a rate that the nation may not be able to efficiently cope with it. Okay. Uh, I couldn't say that with confidence, but uh, it's, it seems that if you're suddenly putting entire industries out of business, um, you may not be able to reallocate or creatively destruct in Schumpeter's terms um, and evolve new
0: jobs quick enough. Right. Okay. Right. You, you've you've sort of seen where my argument was going. Yeah. Make, absolutely. For, yeah. For the benefit of our listeners, basically, I, I was just sort of saying, okay, you know, if there's no more auto industry, you know, uh, you know, pity for like you know the 60 year old man who was five years from retirement, but but you know, it, it, it's almost like you're also saying, you know, America, America's not stu- not not smart enough. Think up new jobs, you know, that, um, you know, this is America, right? You know, this isn't, this isn't like uh, Nigeria or something like that, right? Like, you know, <laughs> right. this, is, this is where, you know, you've got Harvard and Yale. What, what university did you go to? Uh, I went to Rutgers University. The Rutgers, right? You know, so I mean, <laughs> I mean, this is America. This is the, the smartest people in the world. You know, are are, are born in America, move to America. Uh, sometimes they live in Toronto, but whatever. Um, so, so, you know, it, 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 it's almost like sort of saying, well, I I don't think America's smart enough to come up with something new it's almost like why do you hate america (laughs) (laughs) that's a very
1: valid argument. i mean you don't even have to go back 100 years you can go back to the 70s and and if you were sitting in the 70s you'd say well we're losing our manufacturing base there's there's inflation uh there's this giant country in asia that's making electronics and and tools and cars and everything better and cheaper uh than we are where are the jobs going to come from and the only right answer is I don't know where they're going to come from, but they'll come. Yeah. Um, but that process does take a certain amount of time, and uh, the argument that the dumping argument would be uh, if you accelerate that process uh, to a rate that's faster than the economy can sort of naturally
0: innovate. Um, I, I don't know what happens. All right, fair, fair enough. I won't, I won't, won't, won't labor the point. Um, <laughs> the other sort of point I wanted to uh, to sort of raise is. Um, um, well like what 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 is money technically uh, you, I think on, on the Long run blog you did a really good post about you know, like, like what, what, what is money um, so what 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 is money well actually i think I think John did that post oh and, okay, and left in the middle of it, and I think I picked up the
1: uh, <laughs> arguments uh, with some folks there and and if you do go back and read that post, uh, which i 'd encourage you to do, read the comments there 's probably twenty of them, and okay. it was really fun exchange. Um, but money is is really um, well. There's different forms of money, but in a nutshell, it's it's a store of value. It's a medium of exchange. I mean, before money, there was barter. Right. You know, you, you know back in the old days, before there were any coins, uh, you know, if you wanted grain and you had chickens, and the farmer didn't want to sell, didn't want a chicken, you'd have to go buy, take your your chicken and exchange it for a shoe and then change the shoe for an urn and then take the urn and exchange the urn for whatever the farmer wanted and then finally get your grain. Um, and so money sort of evolved and uh, we have something that stores value so that you didn't have to go through that whole process. You could just take your coin and trade it for whatever it is you wanted.
0: Right. So, uh, you know, coming back to the uh, about, you know, you've got these paper bills, and it, it's you know. I mean, the old days it used to be, you know, it gave you a right to go to the bank and and get a, a bit of gold in, in return for the piece of paper, right? Right.
1: right. Yeah, that was um, what we called uh, commodity or, or representative money, and so
0: that money was exchangeable for a particular commodity in a set amount. And now, uh, and, and I. I I almost hate this term in the same way that you know it's like um, uh, you know people in alternative medicine call you know sort of you know evidence based medicine they call it allopathic medicine where it's not a term used you know by people in medicine doing biomedical right. research but but it, it's a term that you know that the you know the homeopaths use it's like you know allopathic and and so it's it, it, a lot of people who you know are really into the gold standard they, you know they always use the term fiat currency which which I, I i almost never see that term used say for you know people who then you know sort of fiat currency and ron paul gold standard you know so <laughs> uh, so is, is fiat, i mean fiat currency is that is that is that a term you should really be using or is that just more of a uh, uh, A slight insult. <laughs> there, there's uh, very few
1: currencies in the world that are not fiat currencies. And, uh, um, you know, you could probably count them on your hands. Uh, but uh, fiat, I mean, the word really means, I think uh, I think it's Latin, and it means let it be done, which means that the government decided that we're only going to accept taxes in the following form of payment. And by the way, that form of payment is going to be valued. value. Uh, Excuse me, is going to be valid for any payment or debt uh, in this country. And so you take out a mortgage and you go to pay off your mortgage, and the mortgage company says, No, you know what? I don't want dollars. So You've got to pay me in diamonds. Right. Um, they can't do that. Right. Unless the original contract specified diamonds. <laughs> right. Um, <laughs> but they can't do that. So it's right. a fiat, it's, right. it's
0: by declaration. But, but, but before you sign any – right, before you make any kind of deal, I, I mean anybody could technically say, uh, oh, I don't want to do work for you for, for American dollars. You've you got to give me gold bars or gold press latinum or something like that. You, know, you, you, can, you, you can negotiate any form of payment, right? But, but sure. if you incur a debt and, and no one sort of mentioned to you, you know, how to pay that debt, then they can't then suddenly re- reject, reject dollars, right? Right. That's correct. All right, and so so the people are always talking about the gold standard. Oh, we got to get back on the gold standard. Get back on the gold standard. And 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 when you, you, an economy, if it's on the gold standard, can can only issue so much money as it has gold in its bank, right? Yes. Now, now under like a you know a, a fiat currency system, right? If I uh, if I'm sending China you know dollars for for their furniture, uh, I. China is motivated to sort of take those dollars and get something from us and and, and i don 't mind if China then comes back with those dollars and and, and you know buy stuff from us and China obviously wants to sort of not just sit on all this money they want to get stuff for their money you know for their dollars right? but under under a gold system it it seems to me that you know if I want to buy furniture, china's going to go well you know. You got to send us some gold for that furniture, and then China then is not. Then China gets that gold, and they can now issue you know more yuan to their people, and and, and China is then not very motivated to sort of uh, give that gold back, right? Because if they got to give that gold back for you know uh, for your you know your your iPods, then then uh, you know then they have to take money out of circulation for their own people, which are going to make those people unhappy and they're going to want to you know, overthrow you and stuff like that. So, 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 to me, so gold standard, to me, seems like uh, you know, that's a great way to just to stop international trade.
1: Well, it, yeah, the, the gold standard, you run into a problem with the flow of gold uh, across borders and it, another way to think about it is um so there's a there's a big vault someplace in the United States i think it was was it Fort Knox yeah. is the old the old uh repository and there's a certain set amount of gold and somebody um declares that gold uh every dollar uh, or so many dollars buys 1 ounce of gold and i think a long time ago it was like $35 <laughs> per ounce that was the ratio and somebody sets that and then the government goes about um trying to maintain that ratio. And if they don't maintain that ratio, everybody panics and wants their gold at the same time, and there's obviously not enough to go around. So if your economy is going to grow, you need more money, usually. Um, Or let's just say if the population grows, you're going to still need more currency in circulation, which means you need more gold, to back that currency, so you run into this problem where you 've got to acquire gold in order to uh, naturally grow the money supplies just enough to accommodate some growth in the economy, <laughs> otherwise um, the gold becomes worth more, and the paper becomes the the paper money based on it becomes worth more, and you have deflation and there 's a lot of gold bugs out there that think deflation is some sort of panacea because every year things get cheaper <laughs> but in the real world where people borrow money deflation is uh about the worst possible thing you can have because if you go out and you buy, borrow two hundred thousand dollars to to buy a house and suddenly there's deflation and next year Instead of making uh, – let's make up a number. Instead of making $75,000 a year, of which you use a portion enough to pay that mortgage, you're making $70,000 a year because each dollar buys a little bit more. But you still owe the 200000 right. The debt is in nominal terms. It doesn't adjust for inflation. So so if you're – if the value of the money in pure – you're just not going to have enough dollars to pay the debt. Um, and so deflation is – Enormously disruptive. It's much more disruptive than than uh, even moderate inflation. Uh, you don't want that, and so there becomes this big problem with um, gold, the flow of gold or the stock of gold, to control the money supply. And so the gold bugs have gone out and said, "Well, it's very simple. Instead of thirty-five dollars to the ounce, you know, in a couple of years go by, you make it thirty-six dollars to the ounce or thirty-seven dollars to the ounce." And well, that that sounds okay, but that is the same thing as inflating. There's no difference. Right. So why even bother with the gold in the first place? It's more of a hassle than anything else. Just make you know, just keep fiscal or, you know fairly prudent policies, and the dollar's going to retain its right. value. Well,
0: like people always, you know, the, the gold bugs are always saying, well, you know, gold is real. Gold is something real. So uh, and they they feel very you know. Good about that, but but it's like well, I think well, gold. I mean, I mean, gold. I mean, outside of some industrial uses, you know, putting it on your, your, you know, your, your your the edge of your cards, you plug into a computer or something like that, uh, or you know, you know, your stereo headphones, uh, stereo headphone jack or something. Uh, you know, gold gold doesn't really have value. I mean, it, it only has the value that we ascribe to it. We go, it, it's pretty, it's worth a lot, so I, wa- I want it, but if... if yeah, you can't, you can't eat it. Yeah, exactly. As was tried in that Aesop's Fable or whatever, right? <laughs> and... Um, so yeah, so it, it just it just like well, <laughs> you know, you 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 are upset by you know fiat currency because it's not backed by anything real. I mean, other than the ability to go and you know buy goods and services. You know, uh, I don't know anybody that's going to turn down money. <laughs> you know, <laughs> but you know, I, I, my I, mechanic certainly doesn't turn down money. <laughs> you know, when I when oh, I go waving gosh. bills in front of them. <laughs> I mean, gold has this the certain
1: romantic aspect to it, and it's it was used as a store of value, you know, in ancient times, probably because it was pretty and it was in very limited supply, right. so somebody couldn't really counterfeit it. It was either gold or it wasn't gold. There's was only so much of it to go around. So, you know, it sort of has this. Uh, it's it's gone through the eons as sort of this store of value, and so people have this have romanticized that a bit, but I think you're absolutely right. If push comes to shove, and let's, let's say that the zombie apocalypse comes, <laughs> and you find yourself sitting with a stack of gold. Do you want to sit there and fondle your gold coins, or do you want some ammo, some food, and possibly some energy or shelter or vehicle, some, something to help you survive? The gold really isn't going to help you survive unless somebody else is willing to accept it. And if I'm sitting on a pile of ammo and food, and the zombies are coming, I'm very happy to keep that and tell you to keep your gold <laughs> right because I want to survive exactly so I, I don't I, it it's only has value because it it's been agreed upon that enough people think that it has value, but in terms of practical terms, you can't eat it, you can't defend yourself with it. Uh, and you can't shelter yourself with it, so it pr- you might as well have uranium. I mean, it's right. it's not as pretty, but it's just as limited.
0: Right. So, right. so if, if if you know because the, the, the you know the people they're they're keeping gold, you know, against some major economic collapse, some massive disaster, and and right that if society does you know crumble, that you know that that yeah, you you would, you sh- you know you should be actually stockpiling. Bullets, right, and 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 pop tarts, right. you know things like that. We should have an economy based on pop tarts, not Twinkies. Yeah, you, <laughs> twinkies never. Do that. Even, exactly, even better versus versus gold. Because I think I was watching a TV program once, and the survivalist was sort of like, and I, you know, I'm using the survivalist as the moral center of the story here. But he's sort of sort of shaking his head about all these people buying gold, and he's like, if you came to me with gold wanting to buy one of my guns. I would have your gold and my gun. Exactly. You know, sort of implying well he would just put. put a bullet in your head and be done with you. <laughs> well put. Yeah. Well put. Oh, so so yeah.
1: I, I don't. Uh, you know, gold is fun, and I've, I've got a couple of gold coins here. They're really beautiful, and they're they're fun to hold. But um, and, and gold is is a commodity like anything else, and there are enough people that have um, you know have a fondness for it, so it does have value. And you can't make money holding it. It's not the worst thing, but to to think that there's gold and nothing else is is uh, uh, really misguided.
0: Yeah, if, if briefly come back to that dumping thing. Um, you know, I, I, on the long run blog, I had sort of a little bit of a, a thought experiment where I'm like, uh, you, let's say Saudi Saudi Arabia's got a lot of money, right? They got all our money from all that oil, and then uh, let's say sort of Saudi Arabia said, uh, you know, Carl. Um, we're, we're going to give you a car. We're just going to buy you a car, and uh, and I got a free car from Saudi Arabia. They took some of that oil money and they bought me a car. Um, that'd be pretty great, right? You know, because I'm you know I'm saving money for a new car, and, and now I've got you know I've got ten thousand dollars that uh, I was going to spend on a new car. Now I'm going to go you know I'm going to take a vacation. I'm going to uh, you know I'm going to go to a lot of restaurants and you know. Uh, you know Upgrade my symphony tickets, right? So, uh, but then the Saudi Arabia sort of did that to everybody on my block. Said, you know what, everybody on your block, we're just we're just going to give them a, a free car. Uh, again, that would be pretty good. I, I would have no problem with that. And, um, and then let's say Saudi Arabia did that to like, you know, the whole, my whole city said, you know, everybody in Toronto, we're just going to buy them a new car. Uh, now there's, you know, there's a city of like 2.5 million people. Now they've got all this money they were saving for a car or, you know, we're paying for car payments. Now that can go someplace else. And so, so, um, and then what if Saudi Arabia did it to the whole, country, right? You know, bought everybody in Canada a, a, a new car. Well, that, that would certainly destroy the auto industry in Canada, right? Uh, Unless they bought K. Yeah, but let's say they're just buying Hyundais, right? Because, uh, okay. yeah, yeah. And they're just buying Hyundais because they were on a... They're just dropping
1: them off at the dock with
0: keys. Exactly. They were on a Korean airline flight once and they had, you know, they had good service and they're like, oh, we've got to pay Korea back. We're going to buy canadians hyundais so so um so right but but then i mean now you got a nation of 30 million people who you know all had maybe ten thousand dollars in the bank is you know they're going to put towards a car and now you know now we can all go out and buy other things right so um so what's wrong with that (laughs) Look, besides the uh
1: the the international flair that you've created here, (laughs) Um, (laughs) uh, besides putting the Canadian auto auto industry out of business, uh, which may have been the Saudi's intent, I'm not sure, um, which creates unemployment obviously and has a ripple effect, but um, the other potential problem with it is technically you've just inflated the purchasing power of all Canadians. Right. Because what they were previously spending uh, on cars, they now have to spend on other things. And collectively, they can all spend that at once. Right. Which would mean they have
0: a sudden jump in purchasing power, which would create inflation. Right. Now, right, if I'm if I'm a shopkeep and I know that everybody on my street has ten thousand dollars, right? I'm not I'm not going to keep the price of my my pods at you know uh, one hundred and ninety nine, right? I'm going to go, well, oh, that guy he's coming in from that street with the free cars. He can pay more for the woo right? Yeah, absolutely. Right. So you've
1: got you've
0: got inflation. Which as soon as there's inflation,
1: then uh, internationally speaking. The Canadian dollar will be worth less relative to other currencies.
0: All right. So I I, I admit I'm wrong.
1: Possibly. It's not a thought experiment that I've uh, delved deeply into before. So uh, maybe we should come back to that. All
0: right. You think about that a little bit more. All right okay well I guess we could we could wrap it up Th- you, now that you, i have admitted i'm wrong and, you know, it's, it's very important for skeptics to sometimes highlight you know when when they're wrong because they they always they always say in you know economics like uh econ econ talk podcast the 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 host he he always likes to ask economists uh you know what have you ever changed your mind on? You know, what does the data ever force you to change your mind on? And 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 almost none say, oh, you know this. Oh, just this major thing, I changed my mind on the data. Totally showed I was wrong, and and yeah. So people kind of stick to there. <laughs> their, indeed. Yeah. All right. Oh, you know, can, can I can I can I plug myself? Please. All right, uh, I, I was uh, uh, it's your podcast. Oh, okay. Well, you know, you're my guest. So, <laughs> oh, I was on a, a recent edition of the the Paracast uh, podcast. Um, it's kind of a uh, uh, sort of a UFO uh, themed podcast, not, not a skeptical podcast, uh, not, not a woo podcast. I, I kind of, I kind of sort of put them in the, f- the Fortean camp where, you know, Fortians are kind of, they're sort of skeptical about both sides. They, you know, they, they, they don't sort of just lap up all the, uh, what they call it? they they call them the saucer tards. They don't sort of lap up all the, you know, all the, all the, the, the saucer tard stories, but at the same time, they, 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 Tend to think that scientists, you know, they're they're just know it alls and and sort of poo poo things without really looking into them. I, I, I think personally, you know, Fortins tend to they they sort of have a very straw man version of science. But but regardless, so I, so I was on that podcast on the uh, I believe the August thirty podcast. It, it, it's 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 a few it's a few podcasts ago, but we we had quite an interesting little little debate, and uh, and then I, I I followed it up with sort of a uh, sort of a Post game analysis on the amateur scientist uh blog i i 'll post links to this but uh but basically they they kind of presented me with like three of their best cases without sort of telling me ahead of time they were going to present me with their three best cases, so I just had to sort of go well, sounds interesting, but i don 't know <laughs> you know that that was kind of the you know it's like I don't know. I'll look into this and I'll get back to you. So, uh, so I looked into it and I got back to them. And uh, it was quite interesting what I found. I, I won't uh, – no spoilers. You can, you can uh, follow the links on the, uh, the Conspiracy Skeptic uh, site and, and find out the interesting things I found about their so-called best cases. But uh, yeah, so the, the Paracast, you can Google it. And uh, all right. So, any, anything happening in uh, in Brett Brett world? Oh, in land over here. Uh, no, no, no.
1: Just plugging away, trying to come up with some good articles. I had a I have a several part series I'm doing about the dollar, uh, which fits right into our talk. So, oh, awesome. We'll be we'll be posting that on the uh, blog in a couple of weeks, and uh, hopefully, we'll uh, come up with a couple more debates to do soon too.
0: Uh, yeah, we're, we're on the, uh, the the long run blog. We, as I sort of hinted at at the beginning of the show, we uh, yeah, we, we sometimes we have little debates where we just pick a topic and and it, the sides are assigned by the flip of a coin. And uh, so, so I always like to make the point, like you know, okay, just because I'm arguing this side or just. Because you're arguing a side, or you know Julio's arguing side, doesn't mean we really—that's the way we really think. We're just—that's just our side, and we're going to try and argue it as best we can, right?
1: Right. That's the luck of the draw.
0: Yeah, exactly. So, so I think healthcare will probably be the next one.
1: I look forward to it.
0: Yeah. So, uh, so it might be interesting if I get—I'm the Canadian—and if I get the, uh, uh, you know, private healthcare, it's the way to go, Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I will. I will. I will get my Canadianness stripped from me. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> we'll take away your med card. Exactly. Yeah. And uh, you know, the, oh, there was an interesting debate on on the Long Run blog. The uh, the Hare Krishna guy. Mm-hmm. Uh, what, what, what was that? What was that? What was my post even about? Uh, Dungeons and Dragons in Korea or something. I don't know.
1: I'm sure Korea and Roseanne were mentioned, but uh, I, it's, it escapes me right yeah. now. We, we we get some uh, very interesting commenters from time to time, way back in the beginning, and I think you'll see it on that What is Money post. We had somebody who just, just thought that all money was evil and, and, and it was, should be banned and God said this and that and the other thing and um, and I just had to block him after you know two posts uh, it was just ridiculous so we get some interesting things that you don't get to see sometimes
0: all right. oh I, I remember now it was, called, it was called who's that greedy sort of based on uh-huh. is, you know who's that noisy but yeah, all right who's that greedy and I, I yeah I just threw in something about uh, some hare Krishna guy I knew who was yeah he was, just thought. People are greedy, but but you know I, I noticed he never sort of went to his employer and said uh, could you could you reduce my wage by half because I think you know i 've got this excess of money at the end of the month, and I just think that 's greedy <laughs> you know so where where do we draw the line in greed and, right, and so the other, the, some other hair Krishna sort of found it, and then it somehow devolved into like I don't know. There's this city in South America that could not have possibly been been done by you know ancient technology, and they must have had laser guns or something like that. It was and he, even the, even though we never landed on the moon, I, yeah, exactly. I still had this ancient technology. But it was sort of it was sort of interesting. I shut him down. You didn't ban him, <laughs> did you? Because <laughs> he never came back after a while. But I'll post a link to that. That was that was that was quite fun. <laughs> But yeah, yeah, it gets gets pretty interesting sometimes on the long run blog, and and we we know we know your favorite uh, small kitchen appliance, which we do. uh which was the um, <laughs> of course it was the uh, the little sandwich maker, the toastite machine.
1: Right. I I do have a close
0: second though. Oh good okay. What's your close second?
1: Well, I have one of those food dehydrators. Ah. <sighs> and I'll make my own jerky. <sighs> Uh, so we've gone through probably a dozen different jerky recipes, and and uh, we'll take that on trips and stuff. So, that's that's my new favorite this yeah this, this season.
0: That's one of those mythical appliances that are nearly unavailable in Canada. <laughs> well, I, I can't imagine why. I know it's just it sounds great. Make your own jerky. Hey, <laughs> what could be better? <laughs> Awesome. I thought it was Canadian. There'd be moose jerky everywhere. You would, you would think. I don't know. All right. Okay. Well, th- thanks a lot. Thanks a lot, Brett. It's been a pleasure. All right. So it's the the it, you've got an actual URL now. The long run blog yes. dot
1: com. The long run blog dot com or uh, the, uh, the first letters of each word. The long run blog dot com. Both right. will take us there.
0: Awesome. Okay. Have a good night, Brett. Good night. Bye bye. That's